Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more. Give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life of Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including... Uh, Keith Law, he's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is September the 22nd. It is also uh, uh, the autumnal uh, 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 equinox. <laughs> he's for me the first day of fall. And on this day in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln issued a preliminary emancipation proclamation which set a date for the freedom of more than 3 million enslaved in the United States and recast the Civil War as a fight against slavery. When the Civil War broke out in 1861, shortly after Lincoln's inauguration as America's 16th president, he maintained that the war was all about restoring the Union and not about slavery. He avoided issues issuing an anti-slavery proclamation immediately, despite the urgings of abolitionists and radical Democrats and uh, Republicans, as well as his personal belief that slavery was morally repugnant. Instead, Lincoln chose to move cautiously until he could gain wide support from the public for such a measure. In July 1862, Lincoln informed his cabinet that he would issue an Emancipation Proclamation, but it would exempt the so-called border states, which had slaveholders but remained loyal to the Union. His cabinet persuaded him not to make the announcement until after the Union vic- a big Union victory. Lincoln's opportunity came following the Union win in the Battle of Antietam. In September of 1862, on September the 22nd, the president announced the enslaved people in the areas still in rebellion within 100 days would be free. On January the 1st, 1863, Lincoln issued the final Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebel states are and henceforward shall be free. The proclamation also called for the recruitment and establishment of black military units among the Union forces. An estimated 180,000 African Americans went on to serve in the Army. Another 18,000 served in the Navy. After the Emancipation Proclamation, backing the Confederacy was seen as a f- favoring slavery. It became impossible for anti-slavery nations such as Great Britain and France, who had been friendly to the Confederacy, to get involved on behalf of the South. The proclamation also unified and strengthened Lincoln's party, the Republicans, helping them to stay in power for the next two decades. The proclamation was a, a presidential order and not a law passed by Congress, so Lincoln then pushed for an anti-slavery amendment to the U.S. Constitution to ensure its permanence. With the passage of the 13th Amendment in 1865, slavery was eliminated throughout America. Lincoln's handwritten draft of the final Emancipation Proclamation was destroyed in a Chicago fire of 1871. Today, the original official version of the document is housed in the National Archives in D.C. Well, according to the New York Post review of Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicle Data, a record number of New Yorkers switched their driver's license over to uh, Florida. In August, 
5,838 New Yorkers reportedly switched to Florida, the highest number recorded in history for a month-over-month increase. Since the beginning of 2022, 41,885 switched on the way to achieving uh, a new yearly record. The record data came out the same month that New York Governor Kathy Hochul uh, urged Republicans to move to Florida where you belong. She made the remarks in late August. And uh, we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinero, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you'll be okay, where you belong, okay, she said. Get out of town, get out of town, because you don't represent our values, Hochul continued. What are those values? Well, you're not New Yorkers, she claimed. People from New York have already been flocking to Florida. Reports show Miami locals are facing extraordinarily high rent prices after people fled New York because of the lower taxes and business-friendly environment. In 2020, the migration from high-tax states to low-tax states surged during the pandemic lockdowns. Between July 2020 and July 2021, New York's population decreased by 319,000 as Florida's increased by 211,000. The DeSantis campaign even launched mugs for New Yorkers saying that I'm a New Yorker, but I wish my governor were Ron DeSantis. <laughs> a great marketer as well as a great governor. By the way, the Federal Reserve continued its campaign to tame inflation by approving a third consecutive three-quarters of a percentage point interest rate increase, signaling more hikes were likely to come in the next two monetary policy meetings this year. Officials agreed Wednesday to lift the benchmark federal funds rate to uh, range between 3.25%, the highest since 20, uh, 2008. Investors had been expected a 0.75% increase, although markets indicated an outside chance of an even larger rate, rate increase. Recent indicators point to a modest growth in spending and production. Job gains have been robust in recent months, and the unemployment rate has remained low. Inflation remains elevated reflecting supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic, higher food and energy prices, and broader price pressures, the Open Market Federal Committee said in a unanimous statement released at the end of the two-day meeting. Of course, markets have rallied around each of the Fed's interest rate announcements this year, but not this time, as investors decided about after uh, that the Fed Chair Jerome Powell appeared to be signaling a softer approach ahead. Wall Street closed sharply lower after the Federal Reserve stepped up its fight against inflation by raising interest rates. The S&P 500, well, and the Dow and uh, the Nasdaq all down about 1.71%. That's a lot. U.S. inflation began accelerating uh, March 2021 as demand surged and the economy reopened, and the Biden administration pushed through a new round of aggressive government stimulus Fed officials initially mistook the inflation as likely to be uh, transitory, such a disrupted supply chain and lower labor uh, participation rate. Now Fed officials recognize that this was an error and may have frantically raising rates in hopes of preventing inflation from becoming more entrenched in the economy. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy prices, averaged uh, over the last 12 months 6.3%. Inflation appeared to be moderate in July with core prices rising just 0.3%. But that was short-lived. In August, core prices went up 0.6%. Inflation's a big problem. This is kind of stagflation. You know, we currently have uh, inflation, decreasing bond prices. It's, it's a mess. And uh, a mess that's been created, it's been manufactured, in my opinion, by this uh, administration. 
Well, New York Attorney General Letitia James on Wednesday filed a law, civil lawsuit against former President Donald Trump. The Trump Organization has three children and other alleged uh, over and others over alleged fraud. In the 200-page lawsuit, James official alleged, alleged that the uh, fraud touched all aspects of Trump's family business, including golf courses and other properties. Sue claimed that the uh, Trump Organization deceived insurers, tax officials, and lenders by uh, allegedly inflating the value of his properties. This is a bunch. This is really. It, this is just, uh, I think, a total fraud on her part because of the uh, deals. She's claiming that she, he overestimated the cost and the value of his properties when he got loans. Well, there's not a lot of loans on the property. Everybody's been taken care of. In other words, the loans have been paid off. Uh, a lawyer for Trump, Alina Haba, disputed the attorney's general's lawsuit and described Wednesday's legal action as politically motivated. She's not doing well in the polls. And uh, so she's brought this lawsuit. It's going to be egg on her face when this is all over. Uh, I think it'll all be dismissed, and uh, she's going to lose that election. That's good. Well, New York Post reporter and author Miranda Devine revealed in July the FBI whistleblowers that FBI leadership is pressuring agents to artificially pad domestic terrorism data. The Bureau's weaving a narrative that helps Biden regime while painting Trump supporters as terrorists. And we had this guy who was run over by a wild-eyed uh, Democrat uh, following uh, Biden's lead, claiming they're terrorists. Just ran him over in a car. Uh, Representative uh, Jim Jordan released information from a new SBI, FBI whistleblower. According to the latest whistleblower, the FBI is moving agents off of child sexual abuse investigations to instead pursue political investigations. The whistleblower says the FBI is creating a false narrative by classifying January 6 cases as separate instances of domestic terrorism. Uh, this from the House Judiciary GOP. The FBI whistleblower described how a manipulative practice by the FBI overstates the domestic violent extremism. Uh, that's threat nationwide by categorizing January 6 related cases as originating in field offices around the country rather than stemming from a single black swan incident in Washington, D.C. On Wednesday, Miranda Devine revealed the name of the latest FBI whistleblower. His name is Steve Friend, who exposed the FBI's disgusting lies on tracking domestic right-wing terrorism. Steve Friend is a SWAT team member who has been with the FBI for 12 years. He's married and has two small children. He could just not live with his conscience, she said. This is Miranda Devine. After he was dragged off these very important child porn, child exploitation, and human traffic investigations he was working on and put on the very bogus January 6 cases he'd been working on, he could see from the ground how the FBI Washington, D.C. field office was manipulating these cases to try and expand and pretend the problem was bigger than it was. And he also didn't want to uh, participate in the SWAT raids on people who were being accused of misdemeanors at worst. Steve Friend stood up and said, I will not do this. God bless him. You know, he's got a lot on the line, a young family, and he's standing up for his conscience. Boy, this, I hope he doesn't get drowned by the swamp. This, but uh, nevertheless, appreciate his courage. Really appreciate his courage. Well, last week, uh, Iran, uh, Iranian morality police arrested a 22-year-old woman, reportedly not wanting, uh, following the country's hajib rules. She died in a hospital three days later. Iranians say she died of a heart attack. Her family eyewitnesses said the police beat her in a van and that she later fell into a coma. 
In the days since, thousands have turned out across the country to protest the Iranian regime. Human rights groups say seven people have been killed, with hundreds more reportedly injured. Iranian officials confirmed three deaths. Now as protests enter their sixth day, they show no sign of slowing down. These are believed to be some of the most daring protests in Iranian uh, in history. Video f- footage shows protesters burning the hijibs, cutting their hair in public, and in a country where those violate the law can face jail time. One woman can be seen standing on a police car in the streets. Some protesters can be heard chanting death to the dictator. Other reportedly chanting life, liberty, and women. And tension is mounting. Police have been fo- uh, filming using filmed using water cannons, tear gas, and batons, beating protesters to the ground. Some protesters have set fire to police cars or hit back with rocks, and some are users or, say, acute access to WhatsApp and Instagram is being restricted. Well, this is uh, not the first time Iranians have taken to the streets, but uh, this sounds very serious and perhaps will jeopardize the, uh, what I consider to be an illegitimate Iranian regime. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a beautiful 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. I hope you'll find out more and get tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Certainly. Uh, well, we're a grassroots organization here in Florida. We've grown to about 200,000, a little over 200,000 uh, supporters. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education. And in a nutshell, that means to us trying to get rid of the indoctrination that's taking place in our public schools and uh, also uh, really advocating for uh, school choice where you know, the money follows the child, the parent gets to decide where their child goes to school and, and what the curriculum is they're subjected to. You know, uh, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has been around for 10 years. Keith and uh, Pastor Rick Stevens founded the organization, have gained tremendous reputation and traction and influence in uh, Tallahassee, both with the uh, the uh, Commissioner of Education as well as the Governor's Office and uh, the the. Uh, a legislature and uh, just really appreciate what you've done to improve public education here in uh, Florida. So uh, you know, oh, I heard there's a, go ahead, Keith. No, sorry. Go no. Ahead. no s- s- go ahead, Keith. I was just going to say, we appreciate that. Uh, we do, we do have a, uh, have built a great team and we work very hard at trying to protect our kids. So absolutely. So uh, I understand there was a special uh, school board meeting on Monday night. It started out as a workshop on uh, some 15 or 16 policies that they do every September. Um, It ended up and then it evolved into a hearing on three specific textbooks that were objected to um, that were were, uh, not textbooks. They're novels that were full of uh, outright pornography. And uh, so uh, what happened in the workshop um, a number of the policies are now being affected by many of your readers will recall there was a lot of controversy here in Florida when the legislature and the governor uh, passed into law the uh, the, uh, the um, parents' rights and education bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people know that as, as the left label of the don't say gay bill. Um, but that has a profound implication on policies down through the school systems. And they're wrestling with, with how to do that. Um, the, the, the law uh, says that from a gender uh, identity point of view that the school grades are per, or the schools are prohibited and uh, from um, you know gender identity uh, even discussing gender identity in pre-k through or in K through three grades kindergarten through third grade. Uh, but it also adds into law and, and no other, um, grades uh, in a manner that is not age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty loose wording because uh, who gets to decide uh, for each of the grades what's age, what's not age appropriate or what is age appropriate? You know, uh, Keith, pre- this, this reminds me of the discussion. I had to think it happened in the Supreme Court in Hustler Magazine back in the day. And uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, associate justices, said, you know, I don't know that we can really define pornography but you know we know it when we see it 
know? Right. Yeah. And, and it is a slippery slope, I mean, because everybody may have a different idea about what's offensive and what's not. But I'm sorry, I interrupted your, your conversation. You know, well, our, our argument to the school board, um, and, and they had quite a bit of a discussion at the end of the workshop on this, was uh, the, at the end of the day, what's age appropriate gets to define by each parent mm-hmm. because it's each parent's child. Right. And under, and under parents' rights, uh, that's where they, that's where that um, lies. Right. Now, there was a back and forth discussion among school board members where, um, you know, they, they said the parents play a role, but the, the school district really has to help its teachers understand grade by grade what what the school thinks is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So um, at the end of the day, and the argument I made in my, my three minutes was you got to put the parents in charge and you got to make it an opt in. Um, where uh, the parent is the ultimate decision maker and, and, and uh, you have to tell the parent up front what you're doing and, and give them an opportunity to opt in, not an opt out. They're mm-hmm. two very different things. So uh, that was uh, a major part of the discussion. It was just a first read. So they'll be bringing back uh, uh, them um, uh, in all of these for a second read uh, in October. Uh, and then the, the, the meeting advanced to a hearing on three books um, novels that uh, y- y- your listeners may recall that we did a public records request across the state on some 58 novels mm-hmm. that were full of pornography and LGBTQ. Uh, I call it LGBTQ crap. Forgive me, but um, they um, uh, these three books uh, they put through a committee process. Uh, the committee, which was obviously steered by the lawyer, uh, concluded that. Uh, one of the books needed to be removed from uh, middle school, but all three of the books should be kept in uh, high school, but but with some very interesting, with an interesting approach. What they're going, what they're proposing to do is leave a, a jacket of these three books on the shelves of, of these media centers uh, and actually put the book behind a locked door. Hmm. And, and if a student wants to check out that book they're calling it the blockbuster approach you know where you if you if you've ever checked out a video you know you go you you get an empty um container Mm -hmm. you take it to the you you take it to the sales clerk and then they pull it out from behind and you and you pay for it uh what they're what they've concluded in thought they haven't put it into policy yet is that before that teacher or that uh, media center manager can provide that book uh, to the student. Uh, The the media center manager has to contact the parent and the parent has to opt in to their child getting that. Well, that sounds like a pretty good rule. I like that. It's it's certainly a move in the right direction. Uh, I'm a bit of a purist. It's still violate. I mean, they're still spending taxpayer dollars on this crap, right? Yeah. And, And it does violate Florida statute. Uh, it, it goes a long way towards protecting uh, the kids. So, um, but it does put the parent in charge. It does put the parent in charge. So okay. um, that's where they ended on three of those books. At the end of the meeting, Jen Mitchell spoke up and says she wants to add thirty more uh, to the to the that list. Uh, and there's some additional hundred that they they talked about putting on a a separate mature reader list. 
that parents could have an opportunity to opt into if they choose. So yeah, interesting. Um, it, it, uh, interesting stuff going on. Um, uh, I, I kind of come at it from two perspectives. One, this whole debate across the state uh, is, is, was driven by, by the work we did. So I, th- I, t- I take some pride yeah. in that. And you should take uh, some pride in that. Hey, Keith, you've got uh, a really, uh, we should all support what you're doing, the, the tremendous work that you're doing to help our public schools. Our schools have been ranked, by the way, number one in the nation and, uh, statewide because of us. I attribute a lot of that to the work that you're doing. Uh, you got this event coming up on October the 12th. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, uh, we have. Uh, we're in the middle of uh, of a fundraising event called our Liberty Challenge 2022, and we're going to f- complete that event on the 12th of October uh, with General Flynn at uh, the Mercedes Benz of Benita Springs upstairs. Uh, we'll have a two-hour event. General Flynn will be our speaker. Uh, we'll have uh, hors d'oeuvres and uh, you know wine and soft drinks uh, for for those that are ten. And uh, it's an opportunity for the, the community to continue to support uh, the, 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 the extensive work we do to protect our kids. Again, go to goflca.com, goflca.com uh, to uh, find out more about the Florida Citizens Alliance, to support the Florida Citizens Alliance. If you can't make it to the, uh, to the program on the 12th, they'll make a contribution. Again, doing tremendous work. But I hope you could be there. It'll be a tremendous event. Uh, General Flynn, just a tremendous speaker. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. 
back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, so long as you respect the equal rights of others. And that means letting you make more of the decisions that affect your life that right now government is making for you. Yeah, for example, like uh, <laughs> lockdowns and vaccines and so forth. Good news is right now, Michael Cannon, that the president has announced that the pandemic is over. Uh, the president did say that, and then the White House staff went scrambling <laughs> to explain to the world what he really meant. They said, well, he might. He said that it's better than it was before, and but people are still suffering, and that's, that's very true. But and there are still people who are suffering. The president said that nobody's masking anymore. That isn't really true. You walk out, you go around outside, I, I don't know, Maybe this is not your experience in Florida, Bob, but my experience in Washington, D.C. is I still see people wearing masks, maybe a quarter, a third of, uh, of the people. Uh, wow, well, a, qu- a quarter or a third? Huh? A quarter or a third of the people still wearing masks? Maybe in Washington, D.C. And you have to remember that these people are not necessarily wrong to be doing that. It could be uh, immunocompromised. Uh, and very, I know some people are still very afraid of getting COVID and with good reason. Um, and they feel that when the president says this, that he is leaving them behind, that people are not going to take the steps that they have been taking to protect people like them, those immunocompromised people. Uh, but, uh, you know, the question remains, what is the most cost effective way to provide, uh, uh, those sorts of protections for people? Uh, and there was a disconnect between the president and the rest of his administration. Uh, after the president made those comments, the White House staff scrambled to say, uh, no, what the president meant was actually this. And uh, the Department of Health and Human Services had to put out a statement saying the COVID public health emergency remains in effect because there are certain powers that the government has as long as they keep declaring a public health emergency. And neither HHS nor really the states want that, want those powers to go away because when they do, uh, states are going to lose a lot of federal funding. And this is particularly going to become a problem uh, with regard to the Medicaid program because there are maybe millions of people on the Medicaid program who are not eligible to be on the program. But as a condition of taking additional federal funds related to the public health emergency, states are not allowed to go through their roles and say, no longer eligible for removing your roles. Uh, And once the public health emergency lifts, states will have the ability to do that and lose the additional federal funding that was helping them keep those people on the rolls. Yeah. And so there could be a lot of disruption 
that comes at the end of the public health emergency. So neither HHS nor the states uh, want that uh, public health emergency to end. Yeah. So and, and and I hadn't even I didn't know that. So thank you for that information, Michael. But in addition to that, the president can make uh, uh, decisions like uh, under a state of emergency. Uh, you know, forgiving student loans and, uh, in other words, expanding executive power way beyond its intent, uh, according to the Constitution. Who, who knew that all we needed to do to end the pandemic was forgive student loans? <laughs> yeah. This is just it's amazing. It, you know, you follow the science, and these are the benefits. And it's uh, and there are other things like the requirements on federal workers that they uh, uh, that they vaccinate and uh, the permissive that's come with regard to them working from home uh, are those things going to end? Uh, this was not a, a a considered announcement that the president made, and uh, Republicans have pounced on it. They they said, all right, the if the pandemic is over, then you should be taking all of these steps. And that's really what the uh, to, to wind down these controls and lay down these powers that you've been assuming. And uh, that's really what the White House and the Department of Health and Human Services have been scrambling to avoid. Yeah. And in addition to that, we've got uh, the government workers who continue to have to wear masks and uh, get vaccinated. Uh, you've got uh, people who've been uh, relieved uh, from the military, been lost their jobs in the military because of the unwillingness to get vaccinated. All these things. And of course, this is a time where we're having difficulty recruiting people into the military that are qualified for the job. So this is just beyond the pale. It just is unbelievable. And it also raises the question about who's really in charge and who's making these decisions. The president of the United States actually has the executive authority to be making decisions. He can declare the pandemic is over. Who are these people in the, in the White House walking back what he has to say? Well, there is press secretary. He's been all over the news to try to do that. The uh, secretary of health and human services, uh, he has public health advisors within the White House, and well, my, my, uh, actually, is, Michael, my my my, st- my question was actually rhetorical. I mean, he sh- he should be making these decisions. Uh, he misspoke. I get, I understand that. Uh, uh, Everett Dirksen, I don't know if you remember him, is in the uh, head of the the House of Representatives back in the day. He says, Sir, "My tongue never slips." <laughs> well, <laughs> so well, and and it is a interesting window into how government operates and how whether you want to call it the administrative state or the deep state or the blob or whatever uh, kind of has a life of its own where the president of the United States can say the pandemic is over and then there's pushback from his own administration that maybe even persuades him to walk back those comments. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of lets you know who's really in charge. It really does and uh Boy, we are in a real in a real mess, quite frankly, because we take a look at what's happened with the FDA and the CDC. I mean, these organizations that once revered for their honesty and truthfulness, you can't trust them anymore. I mean, you just have to question everything they say because of the influence of big pharma and uh, what's happened right now. Uh, you know, you need, really need to be careful about whose advice you're taking. And uh, it is all. I think that's always been the case. Very. Uh, that you have to be careful. Um, and you, I think in the past, you could trust public health agencies like the CDC more because they focused solely on public health. 
controlling the spread of infectious diseases. And, uh, and they didn't allow their mission to veer off into private health issues, things like obesity and gun violence. Right. And, uh, and we didn't have the extreme politicization of those public health measures that we got during COVID, which were a function of both you know, people trying to get Trump and then people trying to uh, get and discredit Biden. That's right. Again, uh, 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 Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I really appreciate this conversation and bringing to light some of these issues, Michael. Again, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Thanks. My pleasure, indeed. Coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us the founder and uh, president of Less Government, Seton Motley. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. If you were struggling with the, the new title is Emperor of, of Less Government. <laughs> so, Seton, tell us about Less Government. We exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government, and as Emperor, we're going to try to make that happen. Yeah, well, good luck with 
<laughs> you see now again it's an expanding market here trying to reduce the size of government for sure but uh, you wrote a piece i found so interesting biden administration now directly handing china our intellectual property what maybe you could tell us about it yeah this is again you know this is one of those things where they get caught doing something and you're like well if they're doing it here they're probably doing it elsewhere um I, I, you know, I've written, you, we've written a lot, we've talked about it a lot, a lot of people have discussed how Biden and the Bidens, you know, Biden, Joe Biden specifically, because he's the one in office, is compromised beyond words because of all this weird money that his son and his brother and other, you know, family members are collecting around the world for seemingly no reason whatsoever other than their father is the vice president or or their father brother is is president Mm -hmm. and so you know it makes you you have to look at every action of the administration through that prism you have to if you if you want to seriously analyze what's going on well ever since he got into office he's been doing lots of favors for communist china that make no strategic sense to the united interests of the united states at all right um there was a Trump program that was blocking uh, Chinese uh, or, or, or scrutinizing Chinese professors at U.S. universities, and the Biden administration got rid of it under the auspices of it was creating Asian anti-American Asian American hate, um, <laughs> and and he's been and with other intellectual property specifically, time and again he's been implementing policies that make it easier and easier to steal from the creators and the holders of the of the intellectual property the patents etc um well i always say you know i'm, I'm a big student of human nature and think 99.9 percent of our problems exist because we try to pretend human nature doesn't exist or or doesn't matter and of course it does and you know humans are like children. If they get away with a, you know, four out of 10, they'll push the limit and go to, and try to get away with a six out of 10. Right. And if you let them get away with that, they'll go for eight out of 10. Well, because nobody's done anything except issue press releases and, and had strong, you know, strongly worded Fox news appearances to follow. Um, he's pushed the envelope and pushed the envelope and pushed the envelope to the point now where, now, remember, you and I discussed how my, my total objection and, and opposition to government funding science, because it, warps, it politicizes the science, it warps the science. Dwight Eisenhower warned about it in his speech on his way out of the White House uh, in 1961, January of 1961. He said he watched it happen with the Manhattan Project during World War II, and yep. he said it's a real problem that the science becomes about getting the next grant, not getting the next answer. And so this is one of the many reasons why I oppose government science money. The Department of Energy spent tens, maybe in the long term, hundreds of billions of dollars, or hundreds of millions of dollars, excuse me, um, developing a battery. A, 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 they're, they're attempting to design these batteries mm-hmm to retain fake energy. Now, again, I'm opposed to fake energy and I'm opposed to government science, but if we're going to do it, 
let's keep it, shall we? Mm-hmm. He just ended the technology that we developed. He just gave it to the Department of Energy, just gave it to China. Yeah. And we own the patents, obviously. We paid the money. We, we the people, you know, as the government, funding the government, developed this technology. And, you know, of course, senators write a letter expressing great concern. So what? Yeah. And, you know, do something. Well, you know, even if file impeachment papers, even if you know no Democrat is going to vote for it and explain why you're filing impeachment papers. They, they impeached Trump twice for the stupidest nothing no, reasons. This guy's a, a stoolie for the communist Chinese. And we get a letter from the senator saying, we really object to you handing them the, the, the intellectual property we, we the people funded uh, with, with tax money. Uh, it's just, it's just absurd. It's, it's, you know, and of course, uh, you know, we're in an intellectual property race with China in, in every aspect of the economy, and they're eating our lunch part, partly because we're handing it to them. Yeah, Seton, just, you know, it's one thing if they steal it from us, a shame on us for allowing it to happen, but we, if, right. we, if we put it on a silver platter and give it to them, I mean, that's sedition. That's unbelievable. And, and, and as the letter said, and I said earlier, um, you know, you have to wonder, we've caught you in this one instance. Do we think this is the? Do we, does it make sense to ex- expect that this is the only, the one time you're doing this? this is yeah. The only time you're doing this? Yeah. No, we're going to have to guess that if you're giving them this, you're probably giving them other things as well. Seton, what a story that is! I'm just going to encourage our listeners to go to your website, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. This piece is called "Biden Administration Now Directly Handing China Our Intellectual Property." You can't make this stuff up. It's unbelievable. Again, at lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Uh, I want to remind you also that uh, Lula B's Diner, terrific place to have breakfast or lunch, Right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center, well, they're celebrating a National Cheeseburger Day. That started at the beginning of the week. So they're giving off 20% off all the burgers at uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. I hope you'll check them out and uh, enjoy a great breakfast and lunch or lunch at uh, Lulabee's Diner. Okay, coming up, uh, Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing the uh, commercial for Blue Provence reminded me that we have Sizzle Dining available running through the 28th of this month and specials, uh, fixed price menus for breakfast, for, I'm sorry, for lunch and dinner. Uh, Blue Provence, we were there for Blue Provence. They had a great, uh, great deal for dinner. And I hope you'll just check out uh, sizzledining.com and check out all the specials. You can even see the menus of all the restaurants that are participating. Great opportunity to get a great deal and support the restaurants here locally as well. We have with us Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's uh, my pleasure on this uh, beautiful Thursday, at least maybe in Naples. It's cold and windy up here, and uh, fall has arisen. (laughs) <laughs> it certainly has. I, I tried to say uh, autumnal uh, equinox, and I can't. I can't get it right. <laughs> I'm so... Well, then take that out of your vocabulary. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, everything's good with you. You feeling better every day? Every day, feeling a lot better. Thank you so much, Bill. And uh, my I'm going to physical therapy for after hip surgery and my back surgery and everything like that. But. Uh, right. Uh, it's it's getting better. So, any good scoop in Naples? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, council had a very unusual workshop on uh, on Monday, and uh, you know we have it on. We we don't sit glued to it, but it it's on. And uh, they had two items on. It was a workshop that started at two thirty in the afternoon. One was to deal with the uh, their legal firm, whether to keep them or not keep them, and. Uh, uh, and the other was about the airport authority. Okay, they were they had some things they wanted to discuss, but nothing you know nothing that would turn your head. And that conversation, for the I'll tell you about the legal. The legal they decided to keep the law firm after all this re- resignation and no resignation. It was a very very hard four three vote. Uh, there were three hard no's in there. So they just squeaked by, and now they're going to remain as the city's attorneys. Um, and uh, I don't understand it, but hey, you know. So uh, is, isn't that an additional $350,000 a year for this? I don't know what they – no, I don't think they did it. They had four different options from what I understand, um, and I, I, I don't know what the – what the bottom line was, but it was not what they had, not what they had asked for. Hmm. So and worked it out. Uh, I know that much, but you, you, you find We'll find out for that. Sure. Um, but the second part of the conversation about the airport authority, Bob, you, you would have fallen off your chair, honest to God. 
they got into a conversation about moving the airport, okay, about stopping grant money, uh, you know, that they take from the FAA, whichever we have since the FAA started, okay. Um, they, they, they had this serious conversation, and it was like all of a sudden somebody said, we, we shouldn't be having this conversation. And uh, um, it wasn't advertised to talk about getting rid of the airport or doing anything with the airport. And um, they um, they just went uh, they went off off the rails on this conversation and talking about um, the lessees uh, uh, out there. Well, you know, if you move the airport, um, they'll they can find new space. I mean, it, it was just you have to listen to the whole thing. It started at. Um, the airport part of it, I think, was at 2.30 um, or the legal part, one or the other. And then uh, but it, it I, I, I couldn't believe they had that conversation and they're serious. They want to deal with the FAA and they want to. And there's a lot of things that they just do not understand. So where, where do just, they want to move the airport? Where, where could you? I, I, that's <laughs> of all the conversation. They they never did say where <laughs> they talked about how. OK, so. Um, you know, my only guess would be out somewhere in the Immokalee area, and I can guarantee you, our, 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 we, we've been through, listen, you and I have been through that over the years, right? How right. many times has that conversation come up in, our, in the last 20 years for us, right. or 10 years, or 15 years, that somebody gets, a, you know, a, a, a bee in their bonnet about, uh, well, it's all, the whole conversation is about noise, Bob. Right. You know, it's 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 too noisy and uh, whatever. And you know, even though no, not one person said, well, you know, the jets are getting quieter. They have done the the um, the studies and done made some of the improvements for those runways so that the planes get up faster and uh, the noise is less. And that was when I was mayor. Uh, that was a while ago. But there, all of a sudden, this new council. I mean, they they're they're back. Full speed on it. So, will you see it? It, it will definitely uh, become public because when some of the uh, 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 pilots hear about this and some of the people that use that airport, I mean, uh, um, there's there's going to be a lot of lot of kickback on that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so after this long discussion, was anything resolved? Did they make a decision? No, no. And I mean, it was a workshop. So they, they, they didn't make any decisions, but they were going to talk with uh, with Ted Rosansky from the, the chair of the airport authority, who I'm sure heard about it. I'm sure he was watching it um, about uh, and they they schedule a uh, future meeting um, to discuss some of this. Um, but I I can assure you. And, and I mean, they were they were really serious. You had a. When you're sitting around in your lazy chair, you got to pull that up uh, and listen to some of it. Yeah, so this this has to be the Port Royal constituents who are uh, upset about the noise coming from. No, it's not. No, oh, no. I, I I don't think that at all. Huh. I think it's more old Naples. Um, huh. But but it's it's no different than it ever has been. When they want to do, they want to spread out the the uh, the uh, runways, you know, the uh, landing areas and, and the takeoff, and they want to spread them out so that they're not going in one place. Well, they always pretty much go in one place, so they're, what they're told to do with the FAA, and they try and and use the takeoff area that's the, that will affect the people the least. You know, because you're not just talking about Naples, you know, you're talking about surrounding areas where, sure. you know, Windermere used to weigh in pretty good on that and some of the other areas. So they, they try 
but they are governed. They can't just say, oh, well, today we'll use, you know, runway X, Y. And uh, just because it's a, it's a good, it's a nice day to use it. And they flew somewhere else yesterday. You know what I mean? Sure. They're they're governed by uh, by their flight patterns. So um, I, I think the outcome of this should be um, should be a hoot. I'll tell you, there's a lot that, that they don't know. And I will say council member. Portinoff uh, showed her ignorance by uh, uh, some of the questions that that, that she asked. Like, um, I, I was just unbelievable. Uh, like, she knew nothing about it. And, yeah. um, well, she didn't. So, you know, yeah. what can I say? So um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I mean, just before the wine fest, it was kind of like Chicago here Airport. You see one right. private jet after another into Naples. I would say that's probably the, the time where the, the airport is used the most uh, during during the year. Is the, dur- and, and Bob, that would be the time that if anybody were understanding, I mean, what do they raise? Anywhere between 12 and 15, 18 million dollars for the children of, of uh, Collier and Lee County? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's one time when you just, you know, button it up say, hey, this is what's going on here, and it's a long weekend, but look what we raised for our community. So I don't think that 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 necessarily, but you're right. Oh, you are 100% right. That would be the biggest, busiest time of the year. But also that Christmas week, you know, the Christmas, New Year's week, um, and and, and Easter, some of the big holidays, uh, Thanksgiving a little bit. But, you know, other than that, it's business is normal, and I just – they just have to have something to uh, to squawk about. Well, Bill, I just I really hope that you have a great autumnal equinox. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did, Bob. I think I said it correctly that time. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we will. Uh, it's interesting. Leaves are flying everywhere, and and it's windy uh, and, and cool. So uh, I have to switch, switch gear and get a couple of couple of the sweaters and the long sleeve shirts out but uh it's nice so anyway we'll be home soon and look forward to talking with you next week all right bill thank you so much for joining us here on the show bob take care have a good one you as well thank you well that's a wrap here on today's show i hope you enjoyed it tomorrow we're gonna uh, have some special guests uh, byron donalds our congressman will be joining us It'll be interesting to get his point of view what's happening on uh, the nation's capital we'll also visit with larry bell he's endowed professor at the university of houston in space architecture and author of many books his latest is architectures beyond boxes and boundaries my life by design we'll also uh, visit with uh, william yateman research fellow at the cato institute and phil kirpin uh, kirpin is the uh uh, a president of American Exceptionalism. He'll be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobhardenathotmail.com, bobhardenathotmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. would appreciate it. So would our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>